Welcome to the Teeth to Toes podcast. I'm Dr. Curtis Westerson, and I'm a dentist who treats TMJ. Teeth to Toes is a podcast where we ask healthcare providers from around the world to answer questions about teeth, jaws, and the body, and how they all work together. Many, many people have jaw, TMJ, and neck pain, even headaches and migraines, this creates confusion amongst patients and amongst the dentists who are treating these patients. What Teeth to Toes wants to do is to help dentists be able to understand and treat these problems and for patients to get treated. I'm so excited today. Uh, our guest today is Dr. Mac Lee. Mac Lee has been a mentor and a friend for since 1999. Uh, Mac Lee is fantastic. Mac Lee doesn't eat honey, he chews bees. Mac Lee does the real thing. And I am so excited to have him talk. And today, I'm hoping that Mac will kind of discuss maybe a little bit where TMJ problems start and so we can understand what's going on. Mac, how you doing? I'm doing great, Curtis. I see you're still full of yourself. I love it. <laughs> Mac, you know, you know that I have always tried to emulate you because uh, you're a trailblazer, buddy. And oh, yeah. 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 it's it's always been a wonderful interacting with you. So we've had a couple of these podcasts where we've talked about different things. It's fun. Yes. It's fun. It's fun, isn't it? But what I think yeah. would might be a really good thing for us to talk about um, would be how patients get TMJ and some of the the signs and symptoms of TMJ that patients may not realize they're affecting the jaw joint. Um, a symptom is something a patient complains about. I got a toothache, I got a loose tooth. That's a symptom. A sign, and you and I know this, a sign is something that is, and you have a great way of explaining this, um, that is sign that there's a crime scene happening in that patient. And I'll let you explain that about uh, about how you look at a patient and how you look at that that person's uh, signs and symptoms when they sit in your chair. So how do you talk to the patient about that? So what that you just something clicked in my mind. <clears throat> when you really get good, when you really own this teeth to toes thing that you're talking about. When it just becomes a part of you and part of your chi, you can actually sit in an airport and say, that person's got problems. That person's got problems. That person's got problems. Because you're just looking at either the way that they're chewing, you're looking at how they talk, you're looking at their profile, you're looking at where their chin position is, the maxilla, all of these things, which makes you like CSI, a crime scene investigation. So that's one fun part of it. The other fun part of it is helping these people that are, do have the pain. But 
you started this out about how do these people get this way? How does a TMD, TMD patient become a TMD patient? Starts when they're very young. So this you and I make a deal. I'll talk in plain language, and then you can explain in scientific language, because I don't even want to say the word. I only want to say it once, epigenetics, and then I'm going to let you take it from there. Okay. Because when you see these kids with the chin that's back like this, you think, well, I know their parents, I know the grandparents, and they all had chins like that. So hmm, that's this is the way that it is. But why are they that way? Why did this not develop? Genetics, yes, but it can also be because of airway issues, because they're breathing through their mouth and the tongue is not doing the job. The tongue is an excellent sculpture. It sculptures the maxilla. It sculptures the dental arch before there's teeth. Can, can, I, can I just this molds the palate? Yes. Can I just add that the, the maxilla is the upper jaw. That's the upper teeth. Yes. And the lower yes. teeth is and, the mandible. Yes. Right. And these okay. the upper these are called arches. These are dental arches, and the reason they're arches is because they're shaped like a U. There's they're an right. arch. Okay, so the tongue is responsible for making this upper jaw, the palate, which is the roof of the mouth, it's made it to look it's where it's just nice and oval and it's nice and rounded. When the tongue is laying down here and you have an open airway, then the dominant muscle is no longer the tongue. The dominant muscles are these muscles here, which pulls everything in or pulls everything back. So if I take my jaw and I push my jaw back, guess what goes with it? The joint. Joint, joint. So when the joint goes back, then you have joint pressure. And what happens when you have pressure on a bone? It tends to distort. Yeah. It distorts. Okay, so... You have joint issues and you have muscle issues when these people come to adult because these relationship of the upper jaw and the lower jaw is not correct. Because the palate, the tongue doesn't do as much job in the palate, then the palate is brought in, I mean the, excuse me, let me rephrase that, the maxilla, this is the maxilla. The tongue is not molding it correctly, so the front teeth are pulled in, side teeth are pulled in. Now the jaw has no place to fit. And so this person has to learn to adapt, you know, when they become teenagers. And then they have to learn to adapt the rest of their life where they have life robbing pain all their life, where they have joint issues, TMD issues. They go to the, the doctor and the doctor says, oh no, you have arthritis, we're gonna to have to replace your jaw joint. It's, it's, it's a horrible situation because of the unawareness of this craniofacial development in children and what it does to the adults. Now, I'd like for you to kind of explain like the epigenetics and how you can overcome some of these things that I always thought were genetics. Only. Well, I, I, genetics is a big sure. part of it. But, well, um, sure. genetics is a big part of it. Um, epigenetics means, epi means on top. So you may have a genetic potential um, to to grow to a certain size, but how you go throughout life is going to affect that until you're a grown up person. 
So the first couple of decades of life, factors that we go through alter our end development. And if we alter our end development, and the term I use is makes a biomechanical strain to the body, then we're going to have some issues. And I was going to say, when you said that lower jaw comes back and it affects the, the jaw joint, which is back here, because the jaw joint only sits where the teeth meet. If you bite together, that's where your jaw joint sits. But as well, and, and maybe you can talk to me about this a little bit, uh, attached to the lower jaw is your tongue. And when that goes back, what's that blocking when that goes back? The throat. Why is that important? <laughs> well, oxygen is the number one drug the body needs because without oxygen, you're not going to be around. So it's, it, and, and so the compression, when, when, when this relationship is all brought back, not only does it mm -hmm. bring the maxilla back and bring the mandible back and the joint back, it takes the tongue back. And that closes off the airway, especially during nighttime. And that is sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is an extremely serious situation. And it is, uh, it is so overlooked. And there's so much miscommunication between the dental profession and the medical profession. And sleep dentistry is just now where you make sleep appliances, which I wear every night. Sleep appliances is just now becoming really important. In fact, I hear they're even teaching sleep dentistry in dental school, which is, I just heard about that last week. It's very surprising to me. And how can they teach sleep dentistry without teaching TMD? It just, it's, we've got a lot, lots of work to do, Curtis, to get this awareness mm -hmm. of TMJ and sleep apnea and the role of dentistry play. If a person has a toothache, they go through the internet looking for a dentist. They don't look for a neurologist. They don't look for an ENT. They look for a dentist. Our job is on this TMD and sleep awareness is that when somebody has TMD, they look for a TMD dentist. If somebody has sleep apnea, they look for a dentist that treats sleep apnea because we should own, this prof our profession should own both TMD and sleep. It just I agree, makes sense. totally agree. Yeah, totally every patient, sense. every patient we see is slightly less than perfect. And, you know, if you have a bunch of insignificant little pieces, they add up until they become significant. And we see that in patients from little tiny babies all the way through. One of the ways I describe sleep, you use the word sleep apnea. Um, there's a fancier word, and I'm going to give you the fancier word. Oh, can't wait. I can't wait. It's called hypoxic burden and hypoxic means not enough oxygen and burden means what does that stress how does that stress out your body and i explain to patients you need this much air with this much effort if you get that much we call that hypopnea it's kind of like starting to drown right it's it's like your cortisol your stress hormones are being produced you're not getting a good sleep if you get that much which is most people think are typically old fat dentists like me and other people that get that. 
um, that's apnea. That's like no air. And if you have apnea for 10 minutes, you don't need to worry about your airway or anything else because you, if you don't breathe for 10 minutes, you're dead. So, but let's say you remember you needed that much air with that much effort. Let's say you get that much air, but it takes this much effort. <clears throat> What's going to happen is that the amount of physical, physiologic strain to the body or hypoxic burden is going to create the same problem as apnea, except for you're maybe not going to die, but the same amount of stress. And it's almost like, like trying to go on diving down <clears throat> in the water and trying to get up to the surface and it's really hard to reach that surface. You can see it up there. Are you going to get there in time? I don't know. And that sensation, it happens to us all night long. And now, you talked about how you changed the bite. Oh, one other thing. I take it you agree that we breathe both during the day and at night, right? True. It's not just a nighttime problem. So you talk about how you were able to relax that jaw and support it with a dental orthotic or with whatever you can explain this. You relax that jaw and that actually does help the airway during the day. Is that right? Sure. And then gravity and everything else to hold things open. But let me put a little spin on, on your your what you just said about Please do. I'm walking through the woods in my ranch. Rattlesnake, one foot away, starts rattling. I jump three yards to the side. <laughs> yeah. My heart is racing. I've got cortisol. I've got insulin. I've got everything cursing through my body. And my heart's beating fast. It's just going crazy. That's a burden. But I'm able to get back and see that I'm safe from that snake, and so I get some relief. Okay, right. so everything starts settling down. As far as hypoxia, I can take a pulse oximeter and put it on my finger to measure the oxygen running through my blood, and I can sit there and I can hold my breath, trying to get the oxygen level to go down. It doesn't go down. Because the brain says, you're pulling my leg, Mac. You're just holding your breath. Now, if I had my mouth open and threw a piece of meat and it got stuck in my throat, the mm -hmm. brain would recognize this no different than the rattlesnake. And it would say, you're, you're choking, you're dying. You're dying, Mac, you're dying. And so you'd have all this insulin, cortisol stuff pumped into the blood system and the, parasymp the sympathetic nervous system would go nuts. But the problem is, is you don't get to step away 10 yards if you have sleep apnea and you have this reoccurring hypoxia during the night. And it's one after the other after the other, the brain thinks that you're dying. So that just wreaks havoc over the entire body. It is for diabetes, for heart disease, for everything else. So it's a very, very serious situation. Getting the airway open during the daytime you want to decompress this joint because it, mm -hmm. it only makes sense. You, if you have this compressed, you're compressing the airway, which is the tube that you're talking about. 
if I'm able to open this airway during the daytime and use appliances that open the airway at night and keep the jaw forward and keep the tongue from falling in the back of the throat where the brain thinks that your tongue is a piece of meat, I'm going to help save your life. I love that analogy. That, that analogy. Like you, Curtis. Like Thank your you. tongue is a piece of meat. You know what? Everybody that's <laughs> listening, is. everybody that's watching, Mac Lee makes things simple. That is a beautiful analogy. Thank and you, that's wonderful. One more thing about that. You know, they, okay. the CR dentist, I was a CR dentist for 40 years, so I can talk bad about myself. Oh, the joint has to be uppermost and rearmost. It's got to be, it's got to be. Solid in the socket. Well, what happens if you go to Ruth Chris and you take a big old piece of meat and you put it on the right side and you bite down? Where is that condom? Where is that joint? Is it in the socket or did it come down and came out down. of the socket? It came right. out of the socket. So we're fighting over things that don't make any sense. What so does just, make sense is for this and this and everything to be in harmony. Daytime and nighttime. Just to explain, sorry, just to explain to, to patients out there, there's controversy in how to treat yeah. TMJ. And there's controversy on where this jaw is supposed to sit. There's a, a, a established old way of looking at it. Um, I don't want to say antiquated, right. but it's kind of an antiquated way. And then there's another way where it's more biomechanically looked at as this is a part of how we how we uh, function. When you swallow, it's like a wave that goes all the way down. It uses muscles in your jaw, your neck, your your chest, just to swallow saliva. <clears throat> that is a wave. When you breathe, it's a wave as your diaphragm's moving up and down. And you're talking about making this biting together coordinate with everything else in the body so that it's not creating what do we call it? Strength? Disharmony? Dysfunction? Disharmony? Yes. And that actually a, makes a lot of sense. It's an offending agent. So when I taught non-surgical periodontics, it's real simple. You get the bacteria, you get the offending agent out of the gums. You teach the patient how to keep it clean, the body's going to heal itself. Right. You right. put this and this and this, everything in harmony, the body's going to heal itself. That's, that's what the body does. But it, you have to get rid of the offending agent, whatever it might be, bacteria, viruses, whatever it might be. Mac, speaking with you is always a pleasure. We need to do more of these podcasts. So um, we're going to end the Teeth to Toes podcast right now, but let's do another one because I've got more questions I want to ask huh? you so Good. that you can explain it in a way that's going to make me a better dentist and make patients understand. So thank you very much, everybody. This has been the Teeth to Toes podcast. I'm Dr. Curtis Weston. That's Dr. Mac Lee. We're going to see you soon.